Welcome back. It's a full 40 with Chris and Rob brought to you by Nova Insider. We're back. We're ready. Yeah. Let's we're back. Do. Definitely ready. We just came off of obviously two enormous games. Biggest two games of the season and the biggest one yet yeah, is coming up this week. Uh, yeah. This one I had circled as the big one. Yeah. <laughs> the Dylan Painter, the artist rematch. That's right. The Delaware Blue Hens are coming to Newark. As are we. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, are they coming to town? I guess nobody's coming to town. No, no one's coming to town. <laughs> We're just going to Newark, We're just, baby. We're just going to Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> Love it. To play. Oh, it's, it's the Never Forget Classic. This is the Never Forget Classic, yes, where a few yes. years ago, we yes. J, uh, Josh Hart blew up and single-handedly beat Notre Dame by himself. It was an awesome game. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Delaware will be just as excited. Yeah, it should be literally the same <laughs> level. <laughs> Basically the same game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do a couple things here on this pod. First off, we're going to give a, like, a very light touch recap of the week that was and not even much of any preview for the Delaware game. Um, yeah, because you've done all the scouting that you need to when you look up the roster and Dylan Painter's on it. You yeah. say, we just game plan for the artist. He's not playing. <laughs> but we're still going to game plan So for we him. did a great job game planning. It's done. <laughs> done. Game planning We literally took him out of the game. Yeah. That's effective. That's right. Um, he's probably super jacked by now, by the way. I don't know. He's, he's not necessarily on the shack fit he's, plan. That's anyway. true. So after that, though, we have a big segment that's going to take us all the way through the end of the pod. Yeah. Um, that's about a little bit of a decade in review, but not a what you'd expect from a decade of review. We're going to look back at some of the highs and lows, mostly lows, funny moments, absurd things that have happened over the last 10 years after we get through our game recap. Yeah, and just to be clear so nobody shuts us off, because we talked about, like, oh, what should, what should we do because the end of the decade – the obvious answer is, oh, what are your top plays for Villanova basketball? Top plays, best year, yeah, best like, team. Yeah, n- like, newsflash, we won two natties, and one of them <laughs> included, like, the most iconic shot of all time. So we're not going to bother with that shit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so we're going to get a different take on yeah, our Yeah, we're doing a little decade. bit of a different yeah, yeah. take. We're doing a little bit of a remix on the, on the best of decade. Yeah, so stay tuned. So, real quick, two big five games, two wins, both of them... Probably a lot harder fought than maybe needed to be. Um, Talking real quick about Penn. First things first, can't even get off the ground talking about Penn without talking about the light blue alternatives. Love it. Also love it. Yeah. No, we stand the light blue jerseys. Big fan. Here on the full 40. We understand that not every listener of ours likes them, but we like them. We've been calling for this. You don't know this, but... (laughs) <laughs> Rob and I have been calling for this since like for like 10, 12 years. I still want some of the maroon 90s jerseys. No. That's my next ask. Fuck maroon. I'm still going to push it. I could have used a little bit more white in the light blue unis as well. Like, I know we don't want to get into UNC territory, but I wanted a little more, little more white to break it up. It was a lot of blue for me. Because they had the dark and the, you know, I just wanted a little bit more. I didn't Fair get enough. I'm not necessarily saying that they were perfectly executed. Yeah. I just think that it was 
I was so glad to see it, it finally happen. It happened. was due. Yeah. Like, you know, we way due. Yeah, we were, we were playing around. I, to, to the university's credit, we've had some great alternative jerseys of late, namely the throwbacks, yeah. which we need to take a page out of the Chargers playbook and just make the throwbacks the normal jerseys. Like, <laughs> That's period. It. Yeah. But, like, this was good to be like, oh, hey, maybe we should do something with that alternate color. Yeah. Not the grays, which we'll get to later in this episode. Yes. But, yeah, it was good to see them do that. So, Penn is a team that we might have overlooked them a little bit on our previous week's preview. But playing them at home, I expected to win. Line was like 13 and a half. We ended up winning by 10 or something like that. But it was really because of free throws and all the end-of-game stuff that kind of widened the lead. They are actually, though, one of, if not the best team in the Ivy League. Like, this is a team that might end up making the tournament. So picking up a win over Penn, no, it's not beating Kansas or Ohio State or any of those good teams that are on our schedule. But it's also not a cupcake. It wasn't like a slouch game. Like, they were a game opponent they know us. They've played us, obviously, every all the last few years. It wasn't like St. Joe's. No. St. Joe's, on the other hand, we're playing at their place. And I said, watch out for St. Joe's because it is a rivalry game and anything can happen. And after we got up 16 in the first half, oh yeah, it was like, oh, I thought, okay, we're just going to roll these. Oh, yeah. The game was over in my mind. Yeah. At halftime, I was like, oh, yeah, we're good. And then it got very much not over. Yeah, because Fatty McFatterson. Yeah, um, that guy. Dude, who like, is apparently Chauncey Billups. Oh, my also. God. Yes. Let, let, let's spend a minute on this. If you didn't get to listen to the game, it warrants going back and doing, like, a little searching. Cause, yeah. yeah. So for as be- much as we <sighs> hate on Fox Sports, yeah. ESPN takes the cake so far oh, right. for worst announcing. Damn. It was easily the worst announced game. Like, I put the game on mute multiple times throughout the game because it was literally that bad. And so what, what Chris is getting at here, part of it is this dude Daly was absolutely eating us up. He had, I think, 32 or something like that. So, like, rightfully deserved. Like, he should get some credit. They still lost. But they, I think, made four different NBA player comparisons to this guy. Yeah, and this guy has, like, a body built, like, freaking George Costanza. <laughs> yeah, he's <Okay>. like, <laughs> it's like they picked him out of the Y. And yeah. look, he showed up. Yeah. Total credit where it's due, but he's definitely working in the Y, like, on the weekends. Yeah. It was ridiculous. And he's Chauncey Billups. He's Allen Iverson. I can't even remember what the other ones were. It's like, what? like it come was on. absolute absurdity. Yeah. And that wasn't really all of it. Like, they were just... Absolutely horrendous announcers, period. Total trash. Garbage. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so a 2-0 week. The upcoming, we got Delaware. They aren't good. Hopefully, we get a little Brian Antoine action. Hopefully, we get a little Brian Antoine action. Be- because, yeah, to yeah. your point, like, the take- the other takeaway from those last two games is that Antoine really still isn't finding the floor. No, he's and not. You would have thought that maybe with two big five games, there's a little bit less pressure on those games that maybe he would have found a little bit more rotation time. Yep. And he's not finding it. You know, we if you go back to the whole podcast, we we thought with the big five schedule he'd start to get a little bit more playing time. But we did call initially out that we thought it would be, you know, definitely January till he gets real rotation minutes. At this point, you'd be very surprised if he's playing it all against Kansas. Yeah. There's only one game left before Kansas. And I can't imagine Jay goes from 
hey, you really didn't play in the Big Five. I don't know, maybe it's 10 minutes against Delaware to, like, you're going to get 15 or 20 against Kansas? I'd be shocked. I, I think it really depends on how the Delaware game goes. But either way, it does. It, even if we blow out Delaware and Antoine ends up paying, like, 20, 25 minutes yeah. of that Delaware game, it's not like he's going to all of a sudden get 15 minutes against Kansas. Yeah. Like, his max for Kansas is, like, barring foul trouble for someone else, his max is, like, seven, eight minutes. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it's more. Yeah. And candidly, it might be five or less. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So that's definitely something to look out for. I don't think this is, like, a JQ treatment. No, 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 no. No, no, no. no, no. I think it's purely he, slow start, not ready. Yeah. Not body ready. Yeah. Et cetera. We'll work him back in. Yeah. Um, Man who is body ready. Sadiq Sadiq Bey. Yeah. So Sadiq is our – he cleans up all the awards this week. Yeah. Shaq Fit Man Play of the Week. He had a dunk in each of the games that was just, like, massive. Death, taxes, and Sadiq Bey dunks. That's right. That's what you can count on. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And then he was also just came up huge. He was the difference maker in both of the games. 27 in one game. He literally – he knows – how strong he is, and he uses it to his advantage. He realizes when he has smaller players, and he just absolutely works people. Yeah. He's very good, if you have Yeah, he's very good. Moore, I thought, also looked really good in the St. Joe's game in particular. Yeah. Um, Colin plays tough, man. That kid's tough as nails. Yeah, what, 20 against St. Joe's? Yeah, Something yeah, like yeah. that? So, yeah. yeah. Final point on Delaware is that they're 9-1, and one, but don't get fooled by their record. They played... One of the worst schedules in the country, and they are mediocre all around. They are like very much a middling team. Like yeah. this should be a game that we win going away. Yeah, absolutely. And it'd be problematic if we don't. Yes, totally. Yeah, cool. Okay, ten minutes in, boom, we're through all of the game-related content. We'll be back next week for a full Kansas preview. They warrant a little bit more analysis. A little bit more analysis, <laughs> yeah. Top five team coming into the Wells Fargo Center. They definitely will get their fair share of analysis. Absolutely. Yeah. So as we teased earlier on, now we're going to do a little bit of decade in review. But I got to do a little bit of like a stage setting here because... Please, Chris, tell me more. Yeah, because when you look at the decade that was... I think maybe a lot of things that come to people's mind is, oh, this was the golden age of Villanova basketball, which, true, yes, two national championships, two Final Fours, no other decade can claim that. Yeah. Multiple, um, sorry, one national, consensus national player of the year, um, Jay Wright won coach of the year several times, several Big East championships, several Big East tournament championships. Like, the accolades just keep on going and going and going. Six guys or plus who went into the NBA draft, Etc. It was a crazy good decade for Villanova basketball. But if you go back 10 years, uh, sorry, seven years, and look at how this decade began, there is no way in hell that you would have thought that three years into this decade, three seasons, three Villanova basketball seasons into this decade, that we would have ever had a chance to sniff this. In fact, if I went back into the past and told everybody in the next seven years Villanova's going to have multiple one seeds, two national championships, several players drafted, you would have all told me you're fucking out of your mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So, first off, decade delineation, etc. 
The 2009 Final Four happened. Everything that's after the 2009 Final Four, yes, I understand the next season technically started in 2009. Yeah. Fuck it. No. Doesn't Everything matter. after the 2009 Final Four up through... Today. Yeah, basically, is <laughs> the decade. Yeah. And the angle we're taking on the decade, what we're going to try and highlight here are the most absurd and or funniest moments from the decade, according to our scientific research, which was about 10 minutes of us thinking through this before the segment. <laughs> so if we missed anything, definitely call us out. But I think we've got a decent list. I do think we have a decent list. Yeah, okay. All right. Yes, I would actually love some fan feedback on this one. Yeah. So 2009 Final Four happens. Jay Wright brings in his best recruiting class to date, filled with Dominic Cheek, Muftal Yaru, Malik Waynes, the prophet Isaiah Armwood. Yes. Right? And... We start into the decade, and we win a shitload of games. We look really good. We get as high as number two in the country. And everyone's just like, this is just how Villanova basketball is now. We made the Final Four, and now we're just psyche of fan base. It's just like, this is this is life. Yeah. This, this is all we're, we're going to do. This is how life works now. Sure. Right? And that came to a crashing <laughs> yes. burn. Very, very quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. So that team petered out and infamously wound up bowing out in the second round of the tournament to St. Mary's. Yeah, but I think the most absurd part of that was the fact that Scotty Reynolds wins first-team All-American. Yeah. Doesn't get drafted. Doesn't get drafted. He's yeah. the first first player ever to, to be have a that consensus first-team All-American and not get drafted at all. Yeah, so not, not a great start to the day. Not even sniff the NBA. Yeah, no, it's like... Definitely a shame. But he's made a good career of himself afterwards. But anyway, that's point number one. So, but in that team was very interesting because the collapse was pointing, a lot of people were pointing to a lot of different things. There was massive rumors going on at the time of, like, team infighting, like, players getting pissed around their playing time, etc. And there was a lot of noise and smoke coming from the program. And it was like a devastating finish because everyone was on this massive high. And then thinking... Including Reggie Redding. Hey-o! Because <laughs> he got suspended. He did. Because of the, the weed. Yeah. <laughs> 2011, in an attempt to mirror but really go above and beyond what happened in 2009-10, was almost like a carbon copy of a year in many respects. We got off to this massively hot start. We hosted Game Day, ESPN Game Day. Oh, wow. In 2010, 2011 versus Pittsburgh. And we hosted, and it was like this massive event on Villanova's campus. Like, all day stuff going on. The student section was packed to the gills. It was like supposed to be, again, all right, last year, the 2010 year was supposed to be, that was like a, a blip. Now we're back. We're in the top 10 again. We got this great team. Pittsburgh is coming into town. Rematch of the 2008-2009 Elite Eight game. It's going to be this huge thing. What happens? We get fucking smoked. Yeah. Was this the punch game or was that a different game? It wasn't. I don't know if that was the punch game. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. So so we get we get rocked. So we, we get rocked and we end up petering out that entire year. We lost to like USF. We lost uh, uh, so many bad games, and ultimately. Um, we lost in the first round of the tournament to George Mason. But the punch thing I referenced, I do want to bring yeah. it back, because it definitely happened that year. 
that was the year of the Isaiah Armwood punch. And I think it was against Pitt. I think, I don't know if it was the game day game, but Isaiah Armwood straight up throws a punch. Yeah. Somehow, like, it doesn't really get caught by the refs, and he survives. Which, Villanovans tend to not throw the punch too often, tend to be more on the receiving end. Yeah. But that was pretty absurd. So, I, I think we should cover famous punches. Let's do it. Famous punches in the decade. We got that. We Isaiah got, Armwood. We got that Isaiah Armwood punch, which I would rank the third punch. I, I actually... Not that memorable. Not as memorable. He transferred out, so... There were two much more memorable punches. Yes. One, Ryan Archidiacono was the recipient <laughs> of a punch while he was on the ground. <laughs> yeah, From brutal. Sterling Gibbs of Seton Hall. It's so fucking dirty. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, that is like some dangerous shit. Like, yeah. even hockey players know, like, oh, he's on the ground. Like, okay, I got to stop punching. <laughs> yeah. No. Sterling Gibbs is like, yeah, I fucking got you, man. Like, pfft, yeah. he's going to town on it. And Sterling Gibbs ended up transferring to Pitt. There you go. Yeah, full circle. There you go. Okay. So that's Sterling Gibbs' punch. But the most famous punch, the most infamous punch of the decade, didn't happen on the basketball court. It apparently happened at a frat house. And it was oh, Javon Pinkston oh. punching a dude. Yeah. Which, as rumor had it, he probably he, deserved. He probably deserved. Apparently, he got locked in a laundry closet. Or something of that nature. There was some situation where there was some girl involved in this situation. Not getting punched, but like some jealousy around a girl involved. And for whatever reason, Javon, who was literally like a trained boxer from Brooklyn. Like literally decks a kid. And ends up getting suspended for the entire season. Yeah. Everyone was like, alright. It was like right as the season was starting. So everyone was like, oh, it's going to be at... It'll be in the beginning. It'll be just the first semester. It'll be a week. It'll be a few games. Maybe it'll be into Big East play. Whatever. No. Literally, the school was like, fuck you. A whole year. You're done. That was was brutal. Yeah. So, again. Probably not as brutal as the kid on the ground. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. So, so that was definitely the most famous three punches of the decade. <laughs> the most famous... The fact that we have three punches is pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. It's you wouldn't of, think it. You wouldn't. It's kind of crazy. No. Um, a couple other things just to bring up. That year we petered out in 2011. In 2012, we start the year awful. We lose to, like, Santa Clara, and then we lose to, like, LaSalle, and we end up going, like, 13 and 19 or something like that. that year. Is yeah. that a Columbia loss, too? No. The Columbia loss was the following season, actually. But the most absurd thing that happened after well, after you consider basketball, the most absurd thing that happened that year was the rumors around Jay Wright. Ah, okay. So coming off the high of the Final Four, everyone was like, all right, Jay's never going to get fucking fired. Right. Then we collapse in 10. Then we collapse in 11. Then we throw out just an absolute clunker, one of the worst seasons in Villanova <laughs> basketball history in 12. This turns people like fans were like looking for everything, and one nasty rumor about Jay Wright and involved Jay Wright and involved a Villanova freshman soccer player. It's like so ridiculous. It's an absurd. I don't remember. I don't remember her name. I remember getting sent a link to her like athlete bio. Oh my god, that's so ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous, and there was some rumor going around around it. That was absolutely crazy. Totally no. No so basis totally unfounded. Yeah. Yeah. No basis in fact. 
Nothing of anything was ever proven. There was no investigation t taken by the university or anything like that because that was definitely something that they would investigate, right? And it all went away and ended up being a non-issue. No. But just like one of the craziest things I can remember as a fan of Philadelphia basketball. That was really strange. Yeah, it just like doesn't doesn't fit the narrative at all. No. Super weird. Okay, so those are the first three years. And I mentioned that this was a crazy time for Villanova right. basketball. That is the on-the-court and some of the rumors around the team type of stuff. In the backdrop of all of this, when we were looking for hope away from the team about the future of the program, there was all this news going on about how the Big East was splintering, that football was going to rule the day. And I mean, wait, it, football it, no, was ruling the day. Football was ruling the day, and the Big East was going to have to make adjustments in order to meet the new era. That was that like that time in and of itself was crazy. I felt like I was turning on ESPN every single day to see who had moved conferences. It was just nonstop cataclysmic shifts yes. across the college landscape. Correct. And it was like it was so bad. I, we were even having conversations, just total like hyperbole, looking back on it. But we were literally like, "Our Villanova degree is going to be worth less." Yes. If like the Big East falls apart, like right. it's the end of Villanova as we know it. Yeah. So this was going on for like two years. This whole process. So what happens is Villanova gets asked to apply to becoming a full member of the Big East, including bringing up football to the D1A level. Now, mind you, we had just won a national championship in football. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, that's right. Yeah, we so were very like, good. So we were like, okay, we have a snowball's chance in hell, but no, better than a snowball's chance yeah. in hell, of maybe putting out a competitive product. And we beat but some we had, D1 teams, yeah. Yeah, we have no fucking place to play. Yeah. We have nowhere to go, and basically we just embarked on a campus strategic master plan, which is now coming to completion. Yeah with the opening of the Performing Arts Center and everything. So we embark on this massive capital project, and now all of a sudden, all attention has to go to the Board of Trustees to decide, are we going to move up in football? We drag our feet ridiculously. Yeah. In this process, I literally have to laugh at myself because I was posting on Facebook every fucking day, because that was what you did back then, <laughs> about how Villanova should move up in football. I was out, out like outraged yeah. at the pace, the non-pace oh, yeah. of us not moving up. We were talking about this is the death, the death knell for the entire program. Yeah, it looked bad. Yeah, we end up applying, and the biggie says, "No." <laughs> yeah, like now nah, we're good, man. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Right. The Big East said no. Like We actually made the decision to move up in football, and the Big East turned around and said, you know what, <laughs> offers expired, offers off the table. And basically from that moment was pretty much the total unwinding of, of the Big East as we know it. Yeah, and somehow we ended up on the right side of that. Yes. Versus the, the crazy irony is that UConn 20 years prior had decided to move up, and they had done so. And they had their D1 football program, which had like a moment of success. And then, obviously, we know where they are, they are today, where the football program went to shit. They begged their way back into the new Big East. And looking back on it, you're just like, how on earth did this happen? Yeah. And how did it work out so well for us? It's like crazy. Right. Crazy, dude. Right. Crazy. So in the backdrop of no hope on the court and no hope, it was the no hope of the Big East Conference. Yes. So like the one thing that we had going for us, you're like, all right, well, at least we have the Big East, best conference ever. 
everyone's really good. Like, we'll, we'll get back. We'll be back. Yeah. And then Syracuse leaves. Louisville leaves. UConn got fucked. Cincinnati left. Like, TCU was a member of the Big East Conference for, like, a hot second. Oh, you're right. Yeah, like, real quick. Yeah. So it was, like, Tulane. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, so literally, this was all going on in the first three years. There is nobody. Nobody. And if you say you were, you're a freaking liar. There's nobody on this planet who has paid attention to Villanova who, after the 2012 season, would have suggested that the following seven years would have played out the way they did. Yeah, it's it's totally true. And the kicker is, on top of all this, side note, we had to deal with some terrible jersey choices along the way. Yeah. This was the time, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the time, I believe, of the uh, the chapel jerseys. Oh, my God. Which had, like, which at the time it was like a compliment because it was, you know, you were a Nike elite school, which meant you had made the Final Four recently. So they did, for all the schools, they did the silhouette of something iconic on campus. So for us, it was the chapel, which at the moment I was like, oh, yeah, this is super cool. I'll tell you what. If you don't remember it, go right now and Google it. It looks terrible. Awful. They did not age well at all. I thought it was neat. Totally wrong there. Which then also brought us to, I think shortly thereafter, maybe a couple years after, the all-gray jerseys. Yeah. Which we alluded to earlier. Which, like, leave that to Georgetown and their bumbling program. That was an absolute dumpster fire of a jersey. Yeah. There was also randomly a jersey with just the V on the chest. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, God. Yeah, it was really rough. Like, who? I feel like Nike assigned us, like, their D-list designers <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, this is... You know, the, there's not all that demand in the market for Villanova <laughs> yeah. jerseys that look good. These are like the interns who were going to get fired, and they're like, um, yeah, you, you can do this Villanova school. Like, it's, I guess that'll work. And they're like, you came up with that, like, oh, shit, that is fucking terrible. Like, <laughs> yeah, sell it, sell it. Like, oh, my God. So bad. It's really so bad. Come a long way. All right, so that's the first three years of... Wow. Thing. Then Jay clears house. Yeah. Jay's like, fuck you guys. You're all gone. The infamous, as Dana O'Neill has talked about, like... Dana! Like, across 20 articles, the changing of the recruiting strategy. <laughs> the infamous changing of the recruiting strategy. He kicks out Cheek. He tells Waynes to go to the draft. Waynes actually does have a cup of coffee in the NBA. <laughs> but, like, they all leave. And, like, he basically says... any. Any guys who I don't trust here are getting out of the program, and we're moving forward on a new thing. That's right. Then we lose to Columbia, and now everyone's, like, really fucking pissed. <laughs> but then we had the three wins of that year at the Wells Fargo Center, where it's good of a home yeah, a good of a home stretch, that was, that was awesome. as you'll ever see, between the, back, the, weekend, the back-to-back weekends of court stormings with Syracuse and Louisville— and then followed by the end of the year win over Georgetown. This may be the time when Dana O'Neill started that narrative. <laughs> and like subsequently made the second phase of her career. Because she just wrote it hard. <laughs> she wrote it all the way to a book deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your point about somebody calling it, she she's the closest one to calling the turnaround. She <laughs> was riding that train early. So that all happens and then all and then I, I don't want to get into that. I'm not gonna go year by year. Yeah, yeah. But like that all happens. The following year we come out. Arch hits the Thanksgiving shot against Kansas, mm. and kind of the rest had been history from there. But it's interesting because if you ask about fan mood, like, yes, 
the UConn loss, the NC State, and the Wisconsin losses were super freaking painful. Yeah. But those seasons, in the eyes of Villanova fans, even though they came out with the same NCAA tournament result, I bet you to a man or woman, every Villanova <laughs> yeah, fan... specific to a man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> every Villanova fan would tell you that those three years were fundamentally different years than the 2010 year where we flamed out in the second round after sure. getting off to a hot start and being a top 10 team and getting a two seed. Fair. Everyone. Fair. And then we did something pretty good in 2016. Yeah. Which one of, there are a lot of things, a lot of fun things we can talk about in 2016. I think one of the most absurd things to happen after the title, I think it was that year. Was it that the year Phil Martelli won Big Five Coach of the Year? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and he slapped a post-it note that yes. said Jay Wright on it. It's like, uh, I definitely don't deserve this. <laughs> that was, I love that. One, it was so absurd that he won it. And two, his acknowledgement of it and the way he treated it was just so appropriate and so spot on. Like, yeah. I, I love that acknowledgement. So other ridiculous things that have happened this year uh, over the course of the time. Like the chef from the 16th championship, the chef mopping of the floor is like a crazy, ridiculous thing that like just lives on. I mean, he literally took the mop like out of the kid's hands. Like, I got this. And I remember, I remember watching it. I was like sitting with Nicole. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> like, we got, we got people to do that. Let, let him do that. Like, don't, do we have like basketball to be talking? Like, I don't yeah. know, strategy or something? I was like, why is Chef not focused on the playwright? It was yet? so, it was so weird. It was so weird. Yeah, <laughs> that one was, that was something else. Another crazy thing was around Arch was the year prior where somehow Archie Diacono gets given co-biggies player of the year honors with Chris Dunn. Yeah, like Chris Dunn had this like, phenomenal year and don't get me wrong like arch senior year senior year was awesome yeah but it was his junior year it was his junior year which you were kind of like yeah he had like a, a nice year like he had, a, he had a solid year but like chris dunn was like a killer that year right like he was really fucking good yeah yeah that was that was one of those ones you look back you're like oh, oh okay we'll we'll take it i guess but fine anyway so that was 16 I don't know. Should we should we jump to 18? 18's got a couple, I think. Well, 18 is just like anytime you have a team as good and had the players stick around, like my favorite part about that is that you get to learn their personalities a little bit more. Yeah. And the best personality, obviously, of course, of all players on Villanova recently, clearly the number one loudest, just rambunctious personality was Jalen Brunson. It has to be. Yeah. It has to be. Right. <laughs> just just a guy with just an outpouring of emotions at all times. <laughs> that was what was the interview quote? It was uh, yeah. it's like no, I have feelings. It was an interview. It was literally he was receiving National Player of the Year honors. Yeah. At the Final Four, in between the Final Four game and the National Championship game, and like he literally had to answer. He basically said like. I actually have a personality. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. I actually, I'm just like so. I actually so have feelings. I actually yeah. have personality. Like, <laughs> but but he like deadpanned it too. It wasn't <laughs> like it was like, hey guys, I've got a personality. He's like, I have a personality. You're like, yeah. okay, Jay. Like, and the scene from the 2018 tournament that like became like at least amongst our friends like such a crazy thing was. Jalen Brunson and Jay Wright getting interviewed on like CBS or ESPN after March Mad after the brackets laid out, and Jalen just sitting there with <laughs> yes. no look on his face, like staring into space. Yeah, 
like as as interviews go on, Jay's like you know animated Jay's like you know well we we're, we're excited and we're gonna game plan and one game at a time and blah 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 and Jalen's just sitting there stone faced yeah like staring into the camera which I think was after it was probably, it was probably like Chris Mack or somebody who's like he's like a robot said that earlier in the season like if you took off his face he'd have like wires underneath yeah just like yep that checks that checks um, another thing I want to point out in eighteen which I was very much the beneficiary of was uh, Loyola Chicago opening up their ticket block to the public. Yes. Which was amazing. So, like, quick rehash on this. You know, all the schools get their ticket allotment for the Final Four. If you've been there before, they give it to all their donors. Villanova does it based on your donation, your wild score, or whatever they do these days. So Villanova sold out. We didn't get any. Loyola Chicago, having never done this, just opens up their ticket block to the public. So I logged on to Loyola Chicago's website Bought my tickets through their amazing seats, face value. I'm technically still a Loyola Chicago donor. And to this day, I get their athletics brochure. Be like, do you want to donate again? I'm like, I don't, but I really appreciate the charity that got me to the Final Four <laughs> for the Chief. That was terrific. So thank you, Loyola Chicago. Still owe you one on that. Front. I just kept waiting. I think I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop on the Loyola Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, where's the catch? <laughs> it was so strange. Yeah. That was... That was a good one. I think maybe the only other thing from 18 was the broken hands. Oh, the, the season of the hands. Yeah, the that's hands. absolutely true. Like, because in that season, you had Booth. Jermaine. Jermaine. Colin. Yep. Colin broke his hand. Yep. 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 Hart, who wasn't on the team anymore but was in the NBA, broke his hand. And Slater. And Slater, who yeah. was the recruit coming in, yeah. <laughs> broke his hand. So strange. It was wild. Yeah, it was really wild. Um, that was definitely the se- season of the broken hands. Josh Hart broke into the NBA. It was kind of the heart, start of the Heart Monitor segment. Josh Hart became a meme. Became a meme with his hand, like, never getting a high five. Yes, and it's continued to this day. Yeah. Which, like, who would have predicted Josh Hart to become, like, an NBA meme? But, hey, here we are. Yeah, Josh Hart also, like, speaking of personalities, like, Josh was never thought to be, like, um, he wasn't, like, a Brunson. No. But he was also always thought of, like, an intense... He was intense, but like super soft spoken. Like in interviews, yeah. he was really seemed came across really nice yeah. and like, oh, we're working hard for the guys. We're excited to be here. Definitely there. came across more playful, less business like than Brunson. Yeah, but not, but still like focused and an intense guy. Absolutely. Right. So like the fact that Josh Hart has basically like in addition to his time in the NBA going pretty well for him, like he's become. Like, a personality within the NBA. Yeah, for sure. Like, for not being a star player, he's almost, like, taken, like, the J.J. Redick book. Now, obviously, J.J. hit higher heights than Hart has yet. But, like... A lot of career left. But, like, between doing a podcast and building a personal brand, etc., like, no one in the history of the NBA had (laughs) a... Had a... Who was absolutely hated in college. Turned his brand personal brand around as much as jj reddick did that's some strong hyperbole right there it is but jj reddick was like the most fucking hated player in all of college hoops for like two years or three years in a row and now i would venture to guess that if you pulled a majority of fans yeah they'd probably tell you oh yeah i view jj reddick very favorably probably true probably true yeah so I feel like Josh took a, a page out of that book obviously Josh was never like a hated player yeah but that kind of thought process yeah I do want to talk on the fin. 
Oh God. Yeah. So we get demolished in the Finn. Op- not it wasn't the opener though. It was the second game. Are you I, sure it wasn't the opener? We didn't open the Finn with the Michigan game. No. No, we played a cupcake game. Oh, okay. And then got demolished at the Finn. Which, yeah. Regardless. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah, Bill Finneran. Um, but yes, it is absurd that as soon as we changed the name, the luck has gone down precipitously. Yeah, we hadn't. We hadn't like lost ever. Yeah. Now it's just a regular thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought of another ridiculous thing. Hmm. The last game that we played in the old pavilion, the unrenovated pavilion, yeah. I remember reading an article that Mark Jackson and Jay Wright were literally standing in the middle of the floor, and water started dripping on them because the roof was leaking. That's it, The fact that we played there for that many years yeah. is absolutely nuts. It was a dump, absolute dump. It's been quite a decade. Quite the decade. Uh, the Oklahoma story from that entire 2016 season was crazy after getting blown out and then and then beating them by 44. It has been a crazy decade. The highest of highs, the lowest of lows. Yeah. And like some people say, like, well, we only had like one season where we didn't make the NCAA tournament. How can you have the lowest of lows? When you get really bad, there becomes like a substantive amount of indifference, right? Like DePaul isn't sitting here like this is the worst decade in DePaul. They might come back and look at yeah. it in the past. And say it's the worst decade in DePaul sure. history because like no one gave a shit until like literally five days ago about yeah. DePaul basketball. But it was the indifference that the, the, their fans didn't go through a lot of pain yeah. and suffering because their fans probably just didn't went care. away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Our drop was pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. It was a high high, highest that we gotten in twenty four years, followed by just a three year precipitous decline. Yeah. Plus the state of the program with the state of the conference, all that mixed together, there's no way you could have predicted how high it got in the following seven years. And even with that, some of the, my most painful memories as a fan were even in that golden era. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, it's really pretty crazy looking back on it. Yeah. I, yeah, I hadn't thought about it quite like that until we started doing this. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, it was pretty weird looking back on it. This has been the craziest year. And yet at the end of it, you'd say that Villanova took itself from being it, – it, in, in the weirdest path possible, Villanova delivered on the promise of how, like, we thought, remember in the 2010 season yeah. where we were like, this is how it is now? Like, yeah. we're just good? Yep. Like, in many respects, Villanova actually did end up delivering on that promise. It just took six years to get there. Yeah, and not the way anybody expected. <laughs> in no way anyone would have expected because the new Big East has played out really well. Yeah. Jay has been the standard bearer for it. And it almost became being the biggest fish in a smaller pond has been worked wonders yeah. for us, which was literally Whereas like we the thought, opposite of the narrative. That the you narrative, yeah. and I was, a, I sold the narrative. I, I was a believer in the narrative, and I still think there's a world, there's an alternative universe where that narrative plays out. In that, in that, being a medium-sized fish in the big pond, yeah, was a better strategy for us on a go-forward basis than being the big fish in the small pond. I wanted nothing more to be Pitt in the ACC. Yeah, and Pitt has disappeared now. Right. Right. Absolutely. Right. We're in better program condition basketball-wise than Pitt, Syracuse. Yeah. UConn. Louisville is like a toss-up. I would say Louisville's ahead of us, but obviously the Patino prostitution scandal <laughs> notwithstanding. <laughs> yeah. And to steal some Big East coaches to get back. Yeah. All right. I think that's it. I think that's it. Fun decade. Crazy decade. I'd, I'd sign up for that decade again. I'll sign up for another two natties. Yeah, yeah, you, you you have to. Yeah. That's actually an interesting question. Like, would you sign up? Like, knowing some of the painful per- periods. Oh uh, yeah, I think I would. Yeah, but two natties, I'd trade for anything. Of course, I'd make the tournament two times 
if you guarantee me that the two times I made it, I'd win the national championship. I'd trade both my firstborn sons. I don't have any sons, but... Both your firstborn sons. I guess I'm having twins. Technically, one's got to come out first. Well, you never know. All right, this is now <laughs> gotten this to off. The, this, is, this is the least drinking we've done a podcast, and yet that it feels like we're hammered at oh this point. Oh, my God. All right, let's call right, it. Let's do it. We're done. Enjoy the Delaware game. Enjoy. Keep enjoying the holidays. We'll be back with you next week. Preview of the Kansas game, and we'll come up with something else to talk about. <laughs> All right, thanks, everyone, for listening, and as always, let's, let's go, go to Nova. Nova.